श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय गदरा श्रीमद भागवतम की जाय श्री गोरन पूजा महोत्सव की जाय को भक्तवृंद की जाय खूब प्रेम आनंदे मॉर्निंग अगेन फीलिंग टायर्ड एट ऑल been a busy busy week and traveling so so we continue our discussion this morning from Srimad Bhagavatam on the 24th chapter of the 10th canto which is the first of four chapters dealing with the Govardhan Leela and we've come to the point in this first of the four chapters in which Krishna is inquiring from his father as to the nature of the indra yagya which is well underway in terms of uh, preparations gathering the required uh, ingredients and he says here gnatva gnatva cha karmani jano yam anutishtati vidusha karma siddhi syad yata so gnatma agnatva cha karmani the uh, subject here is knowing and not knowing what you're doing and the <laughs> and the uh, subsequent results of, of both Uh, obviously it's better to know what you're doing than to not know what you're doing there's a better chance that you might get the desired result so krishna says when when people janayam anutishtati of this uh, world perform activities sometimes they know what they're doing and sometimes they don't so he's now pressing nanda baba see if he knows what what he's what he's doing and this is rather <laughs> curious for a young young boy who thus far nanamarsh has more or less not paid a lot of attention to in terms of his requesting information about this um this, this sacrifice which as we know has been going on for years um for every year of uh, since krishna's birth and 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 Nanda will inform long before that as well mm-hmm. but krishna says that those who know what they're doing achieve success whereas uh, in their work whereas people who do not who do not know they they do not so it's a discouragement here on the part of krishna for for all of us um from blind following mm-hmm. that is not uh, recommended i've spoken often on the gita to um crowds less familiar with our uh, tradition and uh, uh often made the point that the the gita by comparison to some of the other uh, sacred texts of the abrahamic religions that people in the west are more familiar with is not uh as much about believing hmm, 
as for example the Bible or the Quran for example are as it is about the nature of being which is not something that we find discussed in those other texts hmm? and this is of course how the book uh, begins the first six chapters of the Gita are, are very much about the nature of being the nature of consciousness the difference between consciousness and matter hmm? um, and the the the, uh, the point I want to make here is that it's very artfully done in that the believing that is uh, follows, if you will, the, the the expectation of believing that follows in the middle six chapters, the theology of the Gita comes forward, and Krishna establishes himself as God or says he's God, and you have to believe him. Um, but he has given very good reason to believe him. He's not advocating a, a, a blind faith or faith in him necessarily based on any particular thing that he's uh, done or said other than what he said in the Gita thus far, which, which, if understood, really does lead one to believe in the, uh, the theological uh, dimension that uh, of uh, the tradition that includes the Godhead with form, qualities, lila, and so on and so forth. Um, and what I, of course, what I, what I mean by that is by understanding the difference between matter and consciousness, that, that we are of the nature of consciousness, something that, as the Gita says, echoing really the Upanishads, and here we use it in a positive sense, neti, neti. Hmm? Neti, neti means not this, not that. The implication of this is that consciousness is not this or that or anything. Hmm? It's not anything. The this or the that all uh, pertain to the objective world hmm? of matter and things. And consciousness is not this thing or that thing. Hmm? I am not, as a unit of consciousness, American or Indian or black or white or Hindu or Catholic or Hare Krishna, <laughs> uh, Iskand, <laughs> whatever, uh, any of these things. Um, these are all things, if you will, that have taken shape by the influence of consciousness, the touch of consciousness, consciousness lending itself to the objective world and causing it to take a form and a shape and have meaning and value and so on and so forth. So um, the Gita rightfully says, more or less, not, not, what is it? Uh, um, cannot be, not, not, so many things. <laughs> can't do this with it, can't do that. It can't, it, it cannot be burned. Not, not, not China. Not. Can't be wet with water. We got the English. We got that. We're looking for the Sanskrit. Cannot be drowned in the water. Cannot be blown away by the wind. You cannot be blown away. You cannot be drowned. You cannot be burned. Nainam chindanti shastrani nainam dahiti pavaka. Nainam kledyantya. Marata, Marata. 
So it's not like this, it's not like that. Uh, and uh, uh, you study that section of the Gita, and this is very Upanishadic, if you will. Some of the verses there are right from the Upanishads. The Gita, of course, is also known um, as well by the name, appellation, um, Gita Upanishad. Gita Upanishad. Upanishad, of course, is a, a word that implies um, the, uh, the sharing of some secret. Upanishad means to sit close. So the implication that is sit close, I want to uh, tell you something that it's not to be shared with the larger circle. Uh, the larger circle means that that the common people have common interests. Hmm? And this is an uncommon interest. It's not an interest in things, interest in the self, that is, but in that which makes things appear meaningful. Hmm? So when the Gita speaks along these lines as uh, concisely um, and uh, compellingly as it does, what happens is, is you start to look at the world and yourself through a different lens, and arguably you see something that was always there that you could not see. Hmm? So it's not a question of believing. It's like I've given an example before. We don't um, believe in a soul. The, the question is kind of meaningless to us. Do you believe in a soul? Do animals have souls? Hmm? We don't think that life is biological. Hmm? Asking uh, a, a, a Vedantist in any of the various um, forms of, of Vedanta, hmm? do you believe in a soul, is, is like saying, do you believe in consciousness? I mean, who is a silly question. Do you believe in consciousness? What do you mean? Do I believe in consciousness? I'm a conscious entity, I, I, which means two things. In one sense, I am aware of things. I perceive things, which is how most people understand it. But also that I am. Hmm? I am, and I perceive. Like the light is luminous, and it illuminates other things that are not so. Hmm? So the perceptive aspect of consciousness is its illumination of other things. Hmm? But more importantly, in one sense, is that it is itself a unit of luminosity hmm? and uh, intelligibility can make itself uh, known hmm? in, in a way that nothing, uh, no, no thing can better make it known. It makes itself known. Hmm? So, uh, <clears throat> So consciousness, not uh, not reducible to matter, and not 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 describable, not definable. Hmm? It's not this. It's not. It's not because we, as I often say, we define things by way of comparison. There's nothing in the world to compare consciousness to. It is experiential existence, and the world of things is constitutes an experienced existence that in and of itself has no experience. Hmm? You don't expect the natural world to suddenly start 
experiencing itself. The fact that it does is because consciousness is there and it kind of wakes up to the fact that it's experiencing in human life when consciousness comes to the fore. Hmm? So these are all ideas, of course, uh, we've talked about many times. And, and this is um, uh, the central focus of the first six chapters of the Gita. So it, 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 it's not about believing in a soul, and, uh, but uh, a description of the nature of being that's quite thoughtful and that is quite uh, credible, hmm? even in our world today, which is a long time since the Gita was spoken. Uh, a fellow told me the other day that um, more or less that it, it had already been demonstrated by science that there's no soul and that consciousness is just matter and so forth. I said, you better read up, son. <laughs> if that had been answered, that would be like the biggest news in the whole world. That there to be the Nobel Prize and... Uh, and then and nobody would know what to do with themselves. They, they, they would realize that the lights are on, but there's nobody home. All this time I thought there was somebody home, and there's not. Consciousness is just an epiphenomenal, you know, gets the growth out of the brain. Hmm? Uh, the example has been used since the time of Hume, I think, that the, that the, the liver, as the liver excretes bile, so the brain excretes consciousness. That people would... I heard Noam Chomsky is the most uh, well-known uh, intellectual in the world. And I heard him say that. I thought, Noam, how could you do that? How could you go along with that? It's such a, such a shallow... I mean, consciousness is nothing like bile. And bile <laughs> is very much like the liver that it comes out of. Hmm? It's a thing. Hmm? It's, it has no you know, experiential capacity, or sense of self, or anything of the sort. So there's many, of course, ways to talk about this. And there is, a, there is um, I want to say, uh, empirical evidence that you could look at and on the basis of reason about in such a way as to conclude that, 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 that as I say, the lights are on, but there's nobody home. There's no self there. Consciousness is just this some kind of something going on in the brain, we haven't just found the spot yet that you press it and it, you know, you feel I am. Hmm? But they haven't found that yet. Um, <laughs> um, but they, they, there's so much that they have found about the brain, of course, hmm? and that the brain is actually doing, hmm? which means it's just a physical action. Hmm? that they think we're just getting closer to finding that there, there's nothing other than the brain. But the Gita, of course, later on in the Gita, um, is it later on? Prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvasha. What chapter is that from? Ahankara vimunat karpahamimani. One third chapter, right? In the same beginning, six chapters. The Gita is saying, to give it a modern interpretation, you things that you th you think you are the doer of things that are being done by the brain. Hmm? The material nature is, 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 the modes of nature are doing things and you think you are the doer. Hmm? Hmm. So, 
to give it, a, like I say, a modern interpretation. You think that you are the doer of things that are actually done by the brain. It would be interesting for you to sort that out a bit and see that that's not really me. <laughs> How much we've identified with physical and psychic, well, in this case, physical brain activity. Of course, the Gita goes on to say hmm, that that doesn't mean that you're a brain. Hmm. Many things are done that you think you are doing. It means you are there. You think that you are doing things that are actually done by the brain. You're not doing them. What are you doing? Hmm? That, that's the, the follow-up, the, the, the follow-through. What are you doing? Not much. Hmm? Um, but then again, witnessing is powerful. Hmm? Things happen sometimes only because someone's watching. Hmm? <laughs> so just to give an example. Hmm? And the whole world is happening because someone's watching. Hmm? The power of, of, of witnessing. So in this, and, and from a, to go to a theological uh, place from here, from a philosophical place to a theological place, Saikshita, right? Hmm? He glanced and the world happened. Hmm? This is the Mahavishnu. He glanced at the world and it's happening. Hmm? Um, so to have the, the witness, to, just like, you know, you don't, you don't do anything when you watch the television except watch the television. I mean, maybe you eat popcorn or something, but for the most part, you're, what are you doing? You're just watching television. But of course, that, that you had to turn the television on hmm? in the first place. The viewer... Is, is far more important. But the viewer can be consumed hmm, in this example uh, by the television as well. That's the problem that we find ourselves in. Having prakrit... Uh, mm, uh, no, no, the other one. He says, describing the paraprakriti. Hmm? Um, parayam... Jiva Bhuta Mahabaho Yayedam Daryate Jagat. Jiva is sustaining the world. Hmm? You know, in some capacity. By its presence, it's making making the world go around, giving meaning and so on and so forth. So this is a very interesting idea. It's a very it's about us. It's a very abstract idea to us, because we are so absorbed in material identification on so many levels. I think I'm a sannyasi. Mahaprabhu said, "No, don't. I don't. He didn't think like that. Although he wore the dress, this is you know, gets pretty high, it's subtle, if you will. The identification. completely otherworldly." From I am this or that, I am an American, I am an Indian, I am a man, I am a woman, I am a Brahmin, I am a Chhatri, I am a, a Brahmachari, I am a sannyasi, hmm? uh, to, to, to I am, hmm? this, is a, this is a huge, people think it's, a, it's going backwards, but it's going forward. Hmm? I want to take away all this 
personality that comes from this identification that makes me think I'm this and that. And think, well, what's left? Hmm? What's left is that you are. Don't you understand how much more substantial that is than you are American? That's not happening. Hmm? That's like a moment, a flickering moment. I thought I was this. I thought I was that. Hmm? That cannot be maintained. It's it, it's 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 a cell in a sentence, so to speak. It's life on death row. It's it's nothing to get excited about. Hmm? And the more excited about it you get, the more attached you get, the more you like material identification, the more troublesome it becomes. Dukalayam, ashashvatam. If you like it, well, you can't keep it. So it's very all the more problematic. Hmm? So to go from there to I am, I am means I am, in an enduring sense I exist, I am different from matter, means what? Hmm? I am not constrained by time and space. That means I've always been, I always will be. Hmm? And now, that's just two, two things about me. I always am, I always will be. Is there anything else to me? Hmm? This is the point. I exist hmm, in an enduring sense and uh, I know that I exist hmm, and I exist to love. Hmm? This is what then Gaudi Vaishnavism excels. It's kind of where it begins because as I said, Rupa Goswami explains in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, a little gyan, a little vairagya may be useful in the beginning. He's talking about the gyan, the knowledge of the difference between body and the self. Hmm? So bhakti is about that, but but much, much, much more than that. Hmm? Of course, there's a tendency to talk about the much more and lose sight of the little, little, the small part, which is really quite huge hmm, at the same time such as the nature of spiritual things. The small things are also big. The difference between the body and the soul, consciousness and matter, understanding that, realizing this, really makes Krishna Leela believable. Hmm? What possibilities lie in consciousness, unfettered by, by, by material constraints? Hmm? So understanding the low end, if you will, really gives faith in the high end, hmm? in that which is yet to come, with, with consciousness kind of growing itself um, in, in terms of the, the possibilities that has been afforded by the ingress of bhakti. Hmm? So when Krishna starts speaking in the middle six chapters about I am God and everything comes from me and um, nobody gets out of the material world, mama maya duratyaya, hmm? without me, opening the door, and so on and so forth. To start with this would be, hmm, I don't know, I, why should I believe this fellow, and so forth. So it begins with hmm, um, a discourse on the nature of being that if we look at it carefully, it's compelling, and compelling after a long time, I mean over to, over centuries of, of thought in the world, even today. It's not outdated by any by any stretch. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, as you can reason, based on empirical data, that consciousness is reducible to matter, as unreasonable as that is, 
Similarly, you can reason on the basis of scientific data that consciousness is not reducible to matter, which is a reasonable conclusion. Hmm? Do you understand? It's counterintuitive and unreasonable to, to, to think that consciousness is not causal, hmm? that it's, it, you know, it requires consciousness to think like that, hmm? to have a debate whether, the, whether, whether there's somebody there or if it's just the brain moving. It's meaningless. <laughs> it's unreasonable. <laughs> Why should I have a debate with you? Hmm? You believe that you don't exist. I believe that I do. Why should I debate with you? Yeah, you don't exist. <laughs> you don't, you, by your own philosophy, there's no point of you being a, involved in the debate here. Hmm? Why should I debate with, a, with an automaton, a machine, hmm? a robot? I don't do that. <laughs> I talk to real people. Hmm? Something like that. So it's, it's, a, it's really kind of a, a stretch. But this is a product of material identification in a culture that, that, is, that advocates as its um, um, objective, really, just um, sense indulgence and, and making more, if you will, out of, out of matter. Hmm? So um, it's, a confu- it's, it's a confusion. Anyway, Gita, so Gita stresses this in the beginning, and therefore the theology that starts to come in the middle six chapters, you're, you're really in a position, if you've understood the first six chapters, it's no problem for identifying with all that Krishna says there. He's enlightened you as to the nature of yourself, the nature of being, allowed you to look from an entirely different angle, in which, if you understand it properly, all possibilities lie. Hmm? It is not the case with regard to a, a material identification or, or sense of sen- illusory sense of self. There are so many impossibilities. There are so many constraints. The constraint of time. The constraint of space. Hmm? They're huge. Right? We are not, uh, ontologically speaking, so constrained. And as we start to experience ourselves in human life, we feel like that. So we want to... St- stretch the space and stretch the time to fit with what we're actually like as we're starting to experience the self directly and be self-conscious, self-aware in human life. Hmm? So that's why Prabhupada, for example, would emphasize this point again and again. You're not the body. He would answer a lot of Leela questions that someone would say, well, you know, what happens after they eat in the spiritual world? <laughs> Prabhupada would say, so, why don't you go there and find out? Hmm? You know, these are imposing material, time and space, and etc., constraints. Hmm? You see, you're just carrying that identification into a world that is, that is unfettered by, un- unencumbered by identification with the objective world is purely subjective. Just like in your mind, probably give an example, it's difficult physically to have a golden mountain, but in your mind you can have a golden mountain. Hmm? So as we move on the hierarchy materially from sense objects to senses or body to mind to intelligence, things become more subtle and more possible. If I was to ask you, all right, can you carry everything in this room out in one trip? <laughs> that would be difficult to do physically. 
But if I asked you to do it mentally, you thought, it's possible, give me some time, and I'll remember everything here, and when I get out, I'll repeat everything to you. So the possibilities there. Hmm? And more subtly, realm of bu bhava sva All these planes, more and more subtle, and and the self is illuminating them all, what are its possibilities. Hmm? And what are the possibilities of the self? I mean, the self has the capacity to love. It's a unit of love. It's, 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 it's the object of love in this world, as I often say. Hmm? This is one of the main tenets or the philosophical points of the Brahmavi Mohanlila. The self is an object of love. And why? Because it is part and parcel of Krishna, hmm? who is therefore arguably all lovable. So self-love hmm, we are engaged in. We think we love things, but we only love them because we are attached to them. So it's us that we're attached to, who have entered into the things by way of thinking they are mine. And there's an I that comes from the my. My house, my country, my car, my religion defines me. Hmm? But nothing is mine, so that me is illusory. But what I love is not the things, it's the me that has extended itself into the things and given them meaning. And I am that meaning. Hmm? So we love the self. Hmm? But the self-love is, is, is a limited affair because love will be evaluated, graded on a scale of reciproca- reciprocal dealings. So the, the, it requires two. The two should become one. Hmm? Uh, you and I become we in love. It's a dynamic union. I've made these points uh, more than once. Hmm? Worth repeating. Hmm? So, bhakti-ananda, therefore, that is different than the ananda of the self. Hmm? And with the ingress of bhakti, then what are the, what are the possibilities of the self independent of matter? It doesn't die. Hmm? It has no beginning. It has no end. Hmm? It's cognizant, unlike matter. And it's joyful. If you can remove the oppression, uh, free yourself from the oppression of the mind and the senses, there's a huge, ah, there's a huge relief hmm? that passes as bliss. This is the Gaudiya philosophy. That passes as bliss. Hmm? But if you could multiply it, Sri Rupa says, a billion-fold, hmm, a tiny particle of that relief, hmm, that it constitutes the ananda of the self, hmm, it, would not, it would not compare to a tiny atomic particle of the bliss, the ananda, the ladini hmm, of bhakti. Indeed, as we said the other night, bhakti-ananda, this exceeds the Swarupananda of Krishna. Hmm? Swarup Shakti Ananda exceeds the bliss of the Ananda of, of Krishna's Swarup without the Shakti expanded. So therefore Radha Krishna Pranai. Hmm? Ladini Shakti Rasmad. Hmm? Radha Krishna Pranai. Hmm? Radha is the transformation of the love of Krishna. Then we have the two. Hmm? And this, with this two we find what? What do we find? Krishna, he has Swarupananda. But we find that the Bhakti-ananda overwhelms him. Hmm? Or to speak of its capacity to dispel the influence of the Maya-shakti. Huh. 
It's just like without thinking that happens. We have neither capacity unto ourselves to dispel the the shadow, the, the cloud, the illusion of Maya, neither to overwhelm Krishna. But with the ingress of bhakti, hmm, then we're well uh, fortified, suited for such. So the possibility, the soul is a unit of, of, if you want to define the self, sometimes people want to say, what is the self independent of the Maya Shakti, the Tathasta, and the self, and independent of the Sarup Shakti? Hmm. Practically speaking, that, that doesn't exist. If it does, in Vaishnava terms, we call it Oh, spiritual suicide. So, hmm? so there's identity is based on the influence of these two sides. Our pers- present identity is based; it's mixed. Right now, we're sadhikas. So, that's not to be a badajiv. It's hmm? not to be a siddha. Hmm? So, we have some influence of the material energy and an identity based on that, and an identity is forming based on our the influence of bhakti in our lives. Hmm? We need good guidance to sort that out. Hmm? Um, but there, in a sense, there is no in-between. There, there's, there's no such position. Hmm? So the, 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 the self, the, if one would define the self, we have to define it as a unit of potential, potential to love. Hmm? And... Uh, and and it has an identity based on its association. And of course, if we associate with the Sarup Shakti, then we have an identity that is enduring. Hmm? Whereas we identify with the Maya Shakti, then we have a false identity. It's not enduring. Hmm? So it, it's different. People say, well, if I'm not the body... because the body is maya shakti, then my swarup is a bhava deha. Bhava is constituted of the, the internal energy of Krishna. Bhakti is, is, is the essence of the internal shakti. So is that body different from me too? Hmm? No, it's not like that. Hmm? It's not like that. This is the mixing of love. Hmm? Loving capacity of the self with the loving capacity of Bhagavan and his Sarup Shakti. Hmm? If a boy falls in love with a young girl, he's still the same guy, but he's he's different at the same time. He, he, he feels more capable, more confident in himself and so forth. And we can see the change in him now. He's become responsible and, uh, and uh, caring and sacrificing and uh, no more, you know, wild... Bachelor parties or whatever. You know, he's, a, he's got somewhere to go at home at night. And so he's the same. He has the capacity to love, but he needs another to love. Hmm? And with that mixing, then, he grows, so to speak. Hmm? So this Swarup Shakti and the Tatasta Shakti, under the influence of the Swarup Shakti, hmm, this makes for an enduring, meaningful and joyful identity and participation in all the fantastic leelas like this. Some kid is telling his father and the rest of the elders in the village, look, do you know what you're doing? Why are you worshipping this god? 
Hmm? Why are you religious? Hmm? Yeah. Our food comes from the hill. Why don't we worship? This is when he'll say, why don't we worship the hill? He's just making it up as he goes along here. And he's asking his father, did you make this up? Or where did this come from? Hmm? Do you understand the meaning behind it? If you don't, then you're just doing blind following. Hmm? See, he's doing blind. He, 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 he lectures him like this. Hmm? Yeah. Then he starts, we'll, as we go forward, he, he starts to give arguments. Hmm? Krishna. What kind of arguments he gives? He's preaching to his father. He preaches Nyaya. He preaches Sankhya. Karma Mimamsa. Not the Vedanta Darshan. Hmm? Preaching and Siddhanta may not always be the same. Hmm? <laughs> and there are prominent examples of this in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Here Krishna is preaching atheism. That's hmm? hmm? not in the, the Siddhanta, but he's using it to, in, a, in, a, in a way to uh, make his point and switch his father's focus and the Brajabhasi's focus from Indra to himself. Hmm? So he preaches these other less than fully, I should say, theistic darshans of, of Indian philosophy of yore. And, uh, and so he, such is the nature of preaching is my point. We, we, sometimes we take such liberties. You can't tell everybody everything and you don't tell everybody the truth to give them the absolute truth, it would appear, probably because the example, it's right from the Bhagavatam itself. But sometimes we tell the child who needs the medicine, oh, take this sweet ball, take a sweet ball, and what are you saying? Get, yeah, or we, if you take this medicine, I'll give you a sweet ball or something. Or, and you don't give the sweet ball, you just get them to take the medicine because the, med, the sweet ball would be bad for them. Something. So, hmm, this is the way of hook or by hook or by crook, sell the book. <laughs> uh, it's a very it's dangerous. <laughs> Ends justifies the means. Is a little uh, uh, would scare a lot of people. Um, but there's a lot of philosophy here to support this on on some level, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some Gaudiya acharyas have taken some liberties that, that, according to time and circumstance, a prominent example. We were talking about Gopal Champu the other day. Shijiva Goswami has preached Swakiyavad, not only in Gopal Champu, in Brahma Samhita commentary, in Krishna Sandarbha, in Kram Sandarbha, of his Bhagavatam commentary, everywhere. Hmm? In, in his uh, commentary on Ujbal Nilmani, hmm? of Rupa's, Rupa's book. Hmm? Uh, he's preached Swakiyavad, meaning he's preached that in the Golok, hmm, Radha and Krishna are married, and the Parakya, the unwedded love, is only a manifestation of Leela in this world. It's not the teaching of Rupa Goswami, his guru. Hmm? So, this is a, an issue, a problem, so forth. Of course, it's been resolved over the, over the centuries uh, by way of looking very carefully at what everything Shirupa Shijiva has written, and particularly in his in the very first verse of Ujjbal Nilmani, for example, hmm? the commentary of Vishwanath is pages after pages after pages, hmm? as to the eternal nature of Parakya, beginning with respect offered to Jiva Goswami, Prabhupada. Hmm? He has said this. 
the one the one famous line from the Gaudi perspective that you might have missed, but that Rajiva kind of ends his commentary, I believe, with that, that some things I have written for other people and some things are what I believe in. Hmm? This is the essence, essence of it. Hmm? So he says, the climate of the times was such that some people, morally stout people, hmm? what's wrong with good karma? It can be a problem. Hmm? Too much attached to morality, and it's difficult to understand the parakia. Hmm? Raj Pariksit himself was questioned, questioned this Sukadev after the, the narrative of uh, Ras Panchajai, Ras Lila. Hmm? He said, you know, this is all great, but hmm, how is it that God, who's the very bridge of Dharma, hmm, is uh, 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 mixing with other people's wives? It's like, I'm, my head is reeling. You think about it. And just think about it. You know. If you heard today there was some guy uh, in the Pacific Ocean that had an island, hmm? and people worshipped him there, hmm? and he, they say he had mystic powers and stuff, and as soon as you heard that he was having a relationship with everybody's wife, then you think, oh, I forget it. Forget the guy. Okay, he could do whatever he wanted to do, but if you do that, we forget him. You understand? This is the reason, and this is how Krishna is being talked about. <laughs> and this is a whole different kind of bhakti that doesn't include that 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 that, that bhakti doesn't include this kind of idea. Hmm? And it's a stretch to go from varnashram to vaidhi bhakti and forego the varnashram hmm? for vaidhi bhakti, or to speak of rag bhakti. And this is this is this is Krishna's position, and it's difficult to understand. Could we have good association? We don't question. I'm giving you a reason to, uh, why it could be questioned. We're not the most morally stout group from our background, not like lives and lives in the Varnashram, so to speak. Yeah. Or you might wait a minute here, put up, put the brake on. Who is this guy? This village kid, boy. Pariksit Marsh asked. Of course, Sukadev gave a beautiful answer. Among other things, he said, Oh, he is the husband of the husbands of the gopis. That you should understand. Hmm? So the Bhagavad is weaves, it walks the tightrope of Aishvarya and Madhurya. Aishvarya Madhurya. Hmm? Showing he's God and showing the Madhurya, the, 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 the human likeness. And they both properly understood, then the humanness, then then, then, with that background of Aishwarya, sure, someone in the Fijian island could be said to have some mystic power, but the things that are being described here are very extraordinary. <laughs> Lifting a hill, I mean, and the whole village goes under, and you think, well, maybe it's just a story. And as I said last night, yeah, it's, it's not the whole truth. The whole truth is more than that. Hmm? Not less. It's more than that. Hmm? Such is the nature of, of Bhagavan. Here in Vrindavan we find extraordinary measure of Aishvarya. More than you find anywhere else. The Brahma Vimohan Leela is probably the best example. While Narayan has got universes emanating from his, the pores of his body, Krishna has Narayans emanating from the pores of his body. 
with such Aishvarya, and then on the background, then the jewel of the Madhurya, it shines out. Hmm? And these things, these, these are, these ideas, these theological realities that are being explained here, as much as we understand, realize the nature of consciousness so easily they are, then to not only to believe, but to pursue, to run after. Hmm? As much as we don't understand the difference between the body and the self, the harder they will be to understand. Or we'll understand them blindly and in a dogmatic way, just repeat the stories that we that we know and say, I believe in them and and they're literal like this and uh, and then we start making them even less than, than what they are. That's another problem. And people don't pay much attention to it. You have to you have to go. If you want to salt doll, it's Ram Krishna's example, but it's a good one. Wanted to taste the salt ocean. A doll made out of salt. Wanted to taste the salt ocean. What will happen? And in other words, we want to understand consciousness. We are consciousness. We have to let go of the, the mental uh, constructs hmm, that uh, our false self is based on. The whole objective identification with matter released. We are consciousness. How will you understand that you are consciousness? By being conscious. And stop trying to be something else. Stop resisting what you are. It's so, it has so many possibilities hmm? compared to what you, what you think you are. Hmm? And these are the possibilities. Hmm? That there's such leelas as Govardhan Leela. Don't think Rupa Goswami, Sananda Goswami, Shijiva Goswami, our charges. Prabhupada, they are absorbed in just some stories hmm. that make no sense. No. Hmm. So, again, we're back to the understanding the beginning, the simple thing, so to speak, within Vedanta. The 101, you're not the body, makes it easy to understand theoretically the 108 and, and to have the enthusiasm really to go there. So, at any rate, Preaching about all these things, it's complex in the world today. And so Acharya will make some strategy. Hmm? So sometimes he may or she may say something. Hmm? And when we look back at it, we say, well, the preaching is not always the Siddhanta. Just like the, you know, the, where do you come from? Mommy, where did I come from? Well, we found you in the chimney. And a big bird dropped you off there. Hmm? Why do why do we explain like this to children? And every culture has some story like that, surely, to explain. Hmm? Um, it's harder now. Kids are reading the internet and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, you can't tell everybody everything all at once. That's the very nature of preaching. Hmm? And uh, so. This is a good example. Rupa Jiva Goswami preached Swakiyavad. Some people in his circle could not, just could not go that far. That Krishna has parakya in the Nityalila. I mean, it was a stretch to have it here, but it was here, so what can you do? <laughs> that was, it was present, so he thought, well, it's an occasional Leela only. Uh, but if we read his reading writings closely, we understand that he's a true follower of Rupa Goswami. Hmm? 
There's another nice example I came across um, more recently in Buddhism. There is a there are a group of a sector of uh, Buddhist practitioner scholars, both, who have posited the idea that the that the Buddha's preaching of no self is not an ontological truth of Buddhism, but a strategy. Hmm? I really like that, of course. As, uh, like the Bhagavatam. Who you meant, you're referring to? Buddhas as a deluding agent. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the strategy in this connection is what? That, that to tell people that they are not the self, the conventional self, the egoic self, American Indian man, woman, is so such a such a, a big installment, hmm? and to get them to pursue that, that I'll just stop there. And if I start talking about you're not the self, but you have a but you are a self, <laughs> you're not this self, but you are another self. That he said he didn't want to deal with that. Just the world is about suffering. That you can experience. Why you suffer? Because you think you are something that you're not. There is no self. That self that suffers, you are not. And meditate on that. And they show these pillows in this Pali canon of the Buddhist. They support their point. I mean, I don't know the canon, but we did publish an article about it on the Harmonist. That's insightful. By one such Buddhist scholar. So the the position was that the Buddha spoke in such a way as a strategy to bring people along. And again, this is what the Bhagavatam says, to bring them to a certain point. Hmm? And and then from there, of course, he would go from there to like Shankar's idea, probably. Hmm? Actually, the author of that paper wrote a book about consciousness. It's a very good book. And he, he, he interestingly, he takes the position that, that there is a real self. Hmm? And, of course... Buddhist strategy of no self, anahata, hmm? anatma, as it said, anahata, is was a strategy, and and it coming. If you understand that strategy, then you come through that. You dissolve the false self, and there's a real self. And he said, and that self is an individual. I want to meet this fellow. I tried to get in touch with him. I haven't been able to. Yet. That self is an individual. Hmm? So he doesn't go from uh, uh, Buddhism to Advaitavad. He goes to another, and then, and he makes the case, the case, a point, as, as I'm making, that once you've got that, all there are all kinds of possibilities. <laughs> so you're not in the world of blind faith here, if you follow properly through Guru Parampara, and that Krishna, of course, is is critiquing here. You should not follow with blind faith. And now he's preaching. The other point I'm making. The preaching and Siddhanta are not always the same. Prabhupada said sometimes, yes, of course you fall from there. Hmm? How else would you get here? Or, you know, something like that. Or, but if you look carefully, hmm, where will you look? What, you know, people find a verse and they go, see, here's the verse. And it, this, this is saying that we fell from Goloka. It's not saying that at all. You haven't understood the context of the Bhagavatam what this verse is saying, what it's about, what came before it, what chapter it's in, why it's being stated. You're screwing out of it some meaning that has nothing to do with the verses. Why don't we go to the place in the Bhagavatam where the subject is actually dealt with? Hmm? Of course, it's not dealt with extensively because it's pretty much a given. 
Hmm? Anadi karma is hard to wrap the west western head around. The east, it's not difficult. That head is going around. Hmm? The western mind is linear. Hmm? Linear. Hmm? The eastern mind is circular. That's why it's more peaceful. Hmm? Because the cyclical idea of the world ha has completion. Hmm? Even Aristotle extolled the virtues of the circle over the line. And he's from, well, he's Greek again, so he's pretty far west, pretty far east, as far as west goes, as far as west as you can go. Hmm? But, you know, just like I've given an example, if you want to know which comes first, the seed or the tree, if you look at the world from a linear point of view, you, your mind just becomes disturbed because there's a seed, there's a tree, there's a seed, there's a tree, there's a seed, there's a tree, there's a seed, there's a tree. Hmm? And you can't get to the end of the line. If you look at the circle, you know the answer, neither one. Hmm? You can see it's, it, it comes complete, full circle, they say. You come full circle. Hmm? Neither one. It's kind of Zen, if you will. Neither one. Hmm? And that's the answer. And it means you're thinking too much. Not by thinking will you know. Hmm? By stopping the mind uh, from thinking, or, as we do, thinking about Krishna. This is to arrest the mind, ultimately, with the ingress of bhava, riding on the mind. Hmm? And then the devotee preaches in a certain way and acts in a certain way according to the time and circumstance. Hmm? And sometimes his or her preaching... Well, look at you, you come to the Western world. What, you know, Prabhupada came here. You ever read the, the letters of Prabhupada wrote back to Narayan Maharaj? Hmm. Uh, the Gaudibhanta Samiti uh, group published, I think, some of those letters. And um, uh, one of the letters Prabhupada is writing, and he says, I'm in New York, and there are so many lights here at night that it's brighter than the day. And everybody has a car, and nobody has a driver. In India, of course, if you had a car, you were a wealthy person, and you had a driver. Everybody's got a car, and nobody's got a driver. It's like... He was on a different planet altogether. He said when he got off the boat in the Boston Harbor, I don't know whether to turn, didn't know whether to turn left or right. Hmm? So with such shraddha he came, hmm? uh, in it, with such gurunishta hmm? he came to the West, with such varanam tata, this sharanagati, this is center, central to this particular leela, hmm? such dependence. This is the center of the Sarup-lakshan of Sharanagati, dependence on Krishna. He will maintain me. Mm -hmm. He came with that in mind. Mm -hmm. That house that the whole world could live in, he's, that's his heart. Mm -hmm. we have, of course, we have to talk about this tomorrow. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. So, you know, you know how Prabhupada found out about where he got his education about America. Hmm? I've told <laughs> you know, in the tea shops, from Jehovah's Witness um, tracts that he would find, hmm? Watchtower and the Wake, and he would, where he would go to distribute his back to Godhead. Hmm? Excuse me, in uh, in, uh, in in New Delhi, then he'd find these, uh, this is one of the ways. This is Rag Bhakti. 
I want to go to America. Every young Indian boy wants to go to America. Prabhupada liked that, wanted to go, but for an entirely different reason. He's reading the Christian tracts. He was raging within with a passion for fulfilling Mahaprabhu's order given to him by Bhagavan Sarasati Thakur to preach. This idea. So he could read the... He wasn't reading Christian lately, he was reading the Christian text. What are they thinking over there? Then he comes... And so then he, you know, he was trying to figure us out. And then he tried to get information from us as to what we were like, but we always wanted to say whatever we thought he wanted to know, which is the stupidest way to you know, answer, if you will. Hmm? He's asking a real question. What do you think? And you're thinking, what does he want me to say? Hmm? He wants me to say this or that. And uh, uh, yeah, hmm? seen the beautiful women in New York? Yeah, like he asked me after I took sannyas. Have you seen the beautiful women in New York? I'm thinking, uh, what does he want me to say here? <laughs> he said they're so beautiful. Hmm? I'm thinking, well, this is a trick or what? <laughs> yeah. And he said, and all the men are moving according, and all the buildings are going up. Like this is Vishnu Maya, and I'm thinking, wow, that's <laughs> he's just it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Shruti Kirti tells a story that I heard. I think it was him. Got on the plane with Prabhupada, and there was music, you know, in the background on the plane. And Prabhupada said, "It's nice music," and I think it was Shruti Kirti. And he's thinking. Prabhupada's testing me. I'm supposed to say it's Maya, right? No, Prabhupada, it's Maya. I know, I got the right. Then he realized that after some point, that Prabhupada actually liked the music, you know, relatively speaking, and he was enjoying it on some level. I think, I mean, Mahaprabhu sang secular songs in Ratha Yantra with a different idea in mind. Hmm? It took Rupa, Rupa to explain it. Hmm? What is on his mind? Hmm? Vaishnavera Kriyamudra, Vignana Bhujai. Very difficult to understand the activities of the Vaishnav. Hmm? And the preaching Vaishnav, even more difficult because he was very tricky. Hmm? What he will say, how he will say, what she will say to get to get the point across according to time and circumstance, so many devices will be employed. Hmm? So this is a good example with regard to preaching and Siddhanta. But if you look in the Bhagavatam, where the issue is addressed, it's not a big topic, as I'm saying. Where does the jiva come from? It's readily kind of acknowledged in Eastern Indian mind, the world, the cyclical world, no beginning, anadi karma. But in Bhagavatam, the idea of falling from Vaikuntha that idea, Nadi Karma, that's played out everywhere in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Everywhere. I mean, Vishnu, the world is compared to the breathing of Vishnu. Is there a Vishnu without breathing? Hmm? If Vishnu is, was without beginning, the world is without beginning. Hmm? It is his breathing out and in. Beginnings and endings from beginningless time. And there's no meaning to the world without karma. That is, that is the force that binds the jiva and matter and makes the whole thing go round. So, 
And of course, the sutras tell us just to stop thinking there, as we said the other day. Stop thinking. Thinking too much. There are things that cannot be known by intellect. Don't try to meddle. Don't try to go there with intellect. You will be repelled. Hmm? You, the current by which we will go, the vehicle by which we will go, is faith. Hmm? Faith in our charges and their explanation of shastras. We will go beyond to a, capa- to a capacity of knowing that the mind does not have, that reason does not have, intellect does not have. Hmm? We should hope for such, because it's such a pathetic thing, intellect, reasoning. As we said the other day, it is circular. You get no standing from that. Nowhere. Hmm? No peace, no bliss, no love. Love knows no reason. Hmm? This is brain-dead bhakti. To use the language of Sridhar Maharaj, Gyan Shunya Bhakti, Vrindavan Bhakti. Hmm? They are unautomatic. They are not thinking. Krishna says, lift the hill. He's just a boy. Why should I listen? Oh, he's so charming. He says, okay, well, let's do it. Let's just do it. What the heck? Uh, forget the whole Indra thing. We've been doing it for centuries. It's been passed down for some time immemorial. It's a tradition. There are so many good reasons Nanda Maharaj gives why we should worship Indra, that he provides the rain, and without the rain we don't have grains, and we don't have grasses for the cows, and so many good reasons. are. And Krishna speaking atheism, it's a different philosophy than Vaishnavism, and they're all Vaishnavas, and they accept it. Okay. They're just charmed by him. Hmm? He suspends their reasoning. Hmm? Hmm? Preachers should do this, try to suspend our reasoning, that the heart can come out, live. Hmm? Hmm? Get, get an installment of affection, of love, hmm? and the kind of knowing that's hmm? not uh, 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 filtered through the limits of intellect. We should use intellect spiritually. How is that? Not to question whether or not God exists, but whether, how to serve him in any particular instance. So Krishna's preaching, Prabhupada preached. Sometimes he said, well, yes, you fall from there. Sometimes no, but if you go, as I say, to the Bhagavatam, where, it would be a good idea to look where in the Bhagavatam the subject is actually discussed. Hmm? I see this all the time. Like people just pick out some verse from over here, the second canon, the fifth of Bhag, the Gita. Where is it discussed in the Gita? Where is it discussed in the Bhagavatam? Of course, Gita doesn't discuss falling from Bhaikuntha. Hmm? But it speaks of Anadi Karma in the fifth chapter. Hmm? And the fact that God does not take responsibility for the actions of others. If you study the commentaries of the seminal acharyas, Baladev and Vishwanath, it's, it's clear. This is the same section that corresponds with the section in the sutras that deal with the issue of partiality of God and the answer being Anadi Karma. Hmm? God's impartial. But in the Bhagavatam, of course, Bhagavatam is playing out the seeds that we find in the Gita. And there, in the seventh canto, when, when, same subject, when Narada is speaking to Yudhisthira about the impartiality of God, in the context of that, he begins to tell a story that was also recited in the third canto, the story of Jain Vijay. And as he begins to tell the story, hmm? this is all in relation, in the seventh in relation to Sukadeva, uh, uh, what is his name? Um, no, 
Sisupal. And how Sisupal got mukti. And he, but he was not like a devotee. And so the impartiality of God comes up and so forth. So anyway, he says that Prichit Marsh hears that, that previously the gatekeepers of Vaikuntha, Jai and Vijay, they were cursed by the um, Kumaras and they came to this world. And Sishupal was one of them. Hmm? The implication is this was his last of three births hmm? and so on. But but Yudhisthira is what is the word incredulous? He's just like I I do cannot accept that that by that even by a realized soul's curse you have to understand the emphasis here. The Kumaras are extraordinary people depicted as they are as children naked they can go anywhere hmm? they come to Baikuntha. They cursed. The, there would be a power. Imagine you're cursed by the, one of the Kumaras. Oh my God! Hmm? He said that the nature of Vaikuntha, Prichit Marsh had it, you know, together. He could understand the nature of Vaikuntha, which is this is the Bhagavatam is speaking about the the worlds of possibility, hmm? all the different lokas. We come to Vaikuntha, we're really getting somewhere. And of course, Golok is the Mahavaikuntha. Hmm? Uh, There's no return from there. Hmm? He says, I cannot believe that even by the curse of, of the Kumaras, sages, realized sages, anyone could fall from Vaikuntha. I cannot believe that. It is not possible. Hmm? This is his statement. Sukadev doesn't say, oh yes, it is possible, and it happens like this. He just gives a nod, of course, but he, let me tell the story. And there are other imp- reasons and so forth. And of course, it all comes out that through the commentaries of the, of the um, Acharyas, that the reason, yeah, well, there's a, so many reasons, but Krishna wanted to taste Mirarasa. Who's he going to fight with in Vaikuntha? Hmm? He can fight in Golok. It is Yudavira. Play fight. Play fighting. Different types. Dharmavira, Yudavira, Dayavira, hmm? Danavira. Hmm? Yudavira means play fighting. This is what we see in Prabhupada when he says, and I drop the bombs on them if they don't take the Krishna book. Hmm? And if they don't, we will say, take the book. And if they don't, we will bomb you. Something like that. What are you talking about? This is very... This, you have to understand the background of such a person. <laughs> uh, so, in Baikuntha, though, who's going to fight with Narayan? So, to taste that... A huge arrangement is made. So many things are accomplished, such as the expertise, if you will, the quality of Bhagavan, expert. He can accomplish many things at the same time. Hmm? So it's very clearly in the place where the subject comes up, and there Prabhupada comments on his purports, two or three, one or two, as it purports, in that very section. Therefore it is clear, no one falls from Vaikuntha. Hmm? Well, it's a way to arrive at a, a definitive answer, and of course we have to do that in time when a particular preaching strategy reaches its um, point of um, efficacy and is now to be retired. Hmm? And such is the nature of all preaching strategies. Hmm? They have a time.
they're useful for a particular time. As times change, there's a huge change since there was, you know, a handful of people, Prabhupada was the only emissary of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the only experience of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the world. Now there's, there's so many there are different missions and charges and there's a plurality of gurus and, and, uh, and as to be expected and hoped for, hmm, so much more information, what is Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and Prabhupada's like riding at night, you know, I was had, used to watch him in Vrindavan. He, we would go to bed like ten o'clock, you know, and I'd get up at night, to answer the call of nature, and I had a room, and I could where Prabhupada would sit on his veranda. He'd be writing. When hmm? we would go to sleep, he would write. That's when he wrote his books, four hours at night. Hmm? Practically speaking, for twelve years, he gave up sleeping for us. Hmm? One Madhavanga was saying, I don't know how you do this. You travel around like this. You give all these talks. I'm exhausted just trying to assist you. Hmm? He told me. It is a little good. But what Prabhupada was doing, yeah, it was, uh, I'm nothing in comparison. Hmm? What kind of, where that energy was coming from? Hmm? And with such concern for his constituents, for the world, for his students. Hmm? Yeah. But to understand him properly, this is important. If you misunderstand the guru and guru tattva, the very thing, guru tattva, which is the, is the most important and essential element in, in your uh, liberation and development of love of God, will become the very thing that is the greatest obstacle to your attaining these things. Hmm? That's how crucial it is to properly understand guru tattva. So this is a good topic. I mean, this, I mean it's, a, it's a tired one. Falling from Vaikuntha and so forth, in, in, in a sense, but but um, it's it, it's a, it's, a, it's a good example that there that to understand, and especially in time after the passing of the Acharya, then we have to reflect back. What, what was his time? He said things that were timeless, no doubt, but he said things that were relevant to the time and circumstance that had power. Hmm? That that he, by his own teaching will not have the same power in other times and circumstances. And that's why we need a Guru Parampara. And if you ask, what would Prabhupada say now? You ask me. That is Guru Parampara. Or someone else in the Guru Parampara. That is the answer. He's not gone. But not. they say he's not gone. Therefore, we get the answer. This is how he stays. This is the idea. This is how he stays, by Guru Parampara. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? In, in, in here and in now, in the ongoing, in the world, in the relative world of time and place and circumstance and how to present and, and keep the teaching alive and vital and so forth and speak about it in a way that's compelling and, hmm, and so on. So, here we have a nice example of Krishna. He's preaching one thing and it's very different than the Siddhanta. But he's doing it in such a charming way that... <laughs> That Nanda Maharaj just caves in at a certain point. Yeah. Um, he doesn't answer back with arguments for, for Vedanta and uh, and Bhakti over Karma Mimamsa or uh, Sankhya philosophy and so forth. He just caves in. The young adolescent boy and he's very charming. Seems very learned and and 
And so it's a huge thing on his part, you have to understand, as I mentioned. I mean, he's foregoing this whole yagya, which I'm just paraphrasing here now to kind of get us through this chapter, uh, <laughs> is, uh, you know, it's something he's been doing for forever. It's been handed down to us. And we're not the only people that do it, he says. Other people do it, worship Indra, and there's all these practical reasons for it. And so forth. So all this is thrown out. And then Krishna says, okay, now, here's what you do. Cook halava and samosas and pakoras and rice and so many things and bring and prepare and offer to the hill. I mean, this is like, sounds like animism, right? You worship that, that prominent feature of nature that we derive our sustenance from. Hmm? Uh, so there's a, there's a semblance of that. What it really means to say is that, that the theism that is present in animism, the, the essential spirituality that is present there, is also present in Gaudiya Vaishnavism and much more. Practically speaking, you can worship any aspect of nature. You could take a tree and worship the tree and offer aratik and so forth. If you have the sambandagyan hmm, to understand, this is the shakti of Bhagwan. I am worshipping Bhagwan by worshipping his shakti. You can become Krishna conscious by doing that. Hmm? Animism is without that kind of sambandagyan. You don't see the world as the shakti of Bhagawan. It wouldn't have the same effect. Hmm? Hmm? Krishna, of course, tells him to offer everything and they make the big arrangements for, for, for offering and forego the Indra-yagya and then the... He, he, he organizes the circumambulation of the cow, the circumambulation of the hill, and in the context of that, he shows there's a difference between what, what this might appear to be and what it is by showing himself to be non-different from the hill. Hmm? And the place of his leela, the place where, where, where people live, which is what con constitutes the Dham, really, that are absorbed in thoughts of him, that it, that it itself is non-different from him. Where does he live? Yoginam hridayeshuva. Naham vaikuntha tishtami. Yoginam hridayeshuva. I'm not in the hearts of the yogis. I'm not in vaikuntha. But yatragayanti madbhakta. Wherever my devotees are chanting my name, I'm present. What makes a holy place holy? Holy people, right? If you go to the place of pilgrimage to the Dham and you don't take advantage of the sadhus, then... Saiva Gokara. You didn't go anywhere. You stayed in your mind. You went to an exotic place and lived in the Hilton. Hmm? <laughs> you, you kept your American sensibilities and spacesuit with you. You never got out. Right? Hmm? Uh, these places are for getting out of the head, getting out of the mind. And and Guhyam Akyati. Hmm? Do we have to associate in such a way that someone of spiritual consequence will be inclined to share their heart with you? Hmm? To share their heart with us? Hmm? That is a big place. So accommodating. Full of affection. Hmm? That is Vrindavan. Hmm? It is big by measure of affection. If we move from the small world of time and space here, the confines, to Brahman, which is everywhere, we've got a lot of space. We're beyond space, hmm? big and spacious. If you move from there to Vaikuntha, things start to become smaller, it would appear. Right? There are planets, there are forms, 
what is the difference between how is how is Vaikuntha bigger than Brahman? It's bigger by affection. And then Goloka is even smaller, a tiny village. Huh? And it's bigger and more accommodating because of the affection. Hmm? As I say, if you, you could live in a, in a cave with someone you love. Hmm? You could live in the hollow of a tree. It wouldn't matter. Space, space and knowing, existence and knowing hmm? are bigger if, the exist, if it is a loving existence. Even if, practically speaking, the space and the knowing is smaller. And that's Vrindavan. The space is smaller. Hmm? The knowing is smaller. Hmm? They don't know so many things. They don't know the Upanishad. They don't know Krishna's God. Vrindavan, hmm? hmm. the land of affection. So to find and that find a heart like that, a sadhu with such a heart, hmm? this is where Krishna Lila is going on hmm? eternally. This kind of company, this kind of association we want. Hmm? So that Vrindavan, Aradya Bhagavan Brajeshatanayas Tadama Vrindavanam. He said, Vrindavan, that is non different from me. This is the teaching. Hmm? It means that place, that heart, in one sense, which which I'm worshipped. To think of Vrindavan as a geographical place, that is a Dham Aparad. We describe it, it's this many crosses and so forth. That is for Leela. Hmm? It has a sun and a full moon. Hmm? But the teaching, the Gita says, there in that place, my Dham, Krishna says, there is no need for sun, no need for moon, no need for fire or electricity. Going there, one never returns. Hmm? You turn to the Bhagavatam, and there's a moon there. Hmm? And there's a sun there. There's no need for one from one point of view. Hmm? It is self-luminous. But for rasa, that's another thing. <laughs> yeah. We need all the props to, 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 to do the play. Hmm? To play. We need all the, all the stage, the props, the actors, the villains, even to some extent. Yeah. So he wants to teach. This, this Govardhan is non-different from me. Hmm? As much as Govardhan is the, is the provider, hmm? Govardhana, that increases the go. Hmm? And we're go cow people, so the livelihood of the cows it determines our livelihood as well. So the Govardhan is, is the, the big mountain that's supplying hmm, so much for the villagers. Hmm? Krishna wants to say, that's me. Hmm? I am the supplier. Hmm? This is the, in, Here in the Bhagavad we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita, and we'll, we'll come to it as we go on, this is the ontological position of, of Gobardhan. When we hear Radha's statement that, oh, Gobardhan is Haridaswari, this is not an ontological statement. This is from the point of view of Bhav. She is just, she's the, the spirit of it, as Sanatana explains in Veda Bhagavatamrita, is, is Gobardhan is such a much better devotee than me. Hmm? See all the ways in which he serves Krishna. Atmavatman jagat. One sees others to be like oneself. Same thing we find in this is uh, 
this, that Divion Mad we heard this morning, hmm? this mad speaking. Divion Mad, you know from Ujjmalilmani, Prabhupada cites those relevant verses in Chaitanya Charitamrita. In the Rasalila, gopis are looking for Krishna and they, they're, they're seeing the trees are better devotees than themselves. They're, they're paying, they're offering their specks, bending the fruits. The earth is better, better devoted because he left us, but he never leaves the earth. His footprints are always touching the earth and so forth. So this is a Baba statement. Here's the ontological statement. And from the point of view of Sandini, the Dham is non-different from Krishna. Srupa Shakti has three elements, Sandini, Sambit, Ladini. You may see through different, from Sambit, this is Krishna, Govardhan is Krishna, worshipable. From Ladini, another angle of vision. So, but an ontological statement he wants to make here, in one sense, the broader sense, the Dham is non-different from me. Govardhan is the prominent influence in the Dham. We won't identify Govardhan with Radha. Radha Kund we will. Hmm? If we identify Govardhan with Radha, what happened to Radha Kund then? There's a problem. Hmm? These two go together, Radha and Krishna. Hmm? So, he shows himself to be the hill. The hill starts to move, which is incredible from our perspective, but it is Alokika. Hmm? It is, it is different. It is extra, extraordinary. It is uncommon. Hmm? So the hill starts to move, and and so the the mountain is personifies, and then Krishna shows himself to be non-different than the mountain, a special form of himself. Hmm? And they circumambulate, and then Indra will come, and now um, the muhyanti atsuraya, the bewilderment. Of the gods will, as, as with regards to the nature of Krishna, that Bhagavatam speaks about at it, its onset. It will come in the next chapter. Any question? Yes. You mentioned about the Vijay falling, and it seemed, unless I'm mistaken, you were saying that there was Narayan desiring to have Yeah. But isn't it kind of curious that first? Vishwadeva appears, which is Krishna, and then Ram, and then Vasudeva Krishna to kind of finish it out. And the demons seem to be really big when they start, and Sishupal is a fairly small demon, you know, relative speaking. So I'm just, I don't know if maybe you could comment on that. Well, it's a different... Ryan is a form of Krishna, no doubt, from the point of view of Tattva, they're no different. But, you know, I mean, the Leela, the demon Sishupal is, is big for a human-like Leela. Hmm? The others are not human-like, so they're going to look bigger from the human perspective. Hmm? But in a human-like Leela, then the demons will be, you know, the, 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 the Sishupals, the Dantabakras, this is Jaya Vijaya. They're, they're, they're pretty formidable in the Leela. Hmm? But uh, you bring up an interesting point that Narayan wanted to take taste Virasa, and he's doing it in one, the last time in the form of Krishna. Hmm? He says he's doing it again the fourth time in Gorlila with Jai and Vijay. <laughs> it's a very special Lila, it can be said. Hmm? 
if Krishna wants to take the place of Narayan, that is his prerogative. He can do that. Hmm. But the real reason for two of the births of Jai and Bijai being done to Vakar and Sushupal, hmm? this is your question. Right. Why aren't they in relation to a Narayan avatar? Hmm? There's a reason for it. There's a philosophical reason. The reason is, and it has to do with the very important, the most important philosophical point of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. What's that? Krishna's two Bhagavan Svayam. Okay, this is the Paribas Sutra to unlock the password, to unlock the tattva of the Bhagavatam, which is a book about gods and goddesses and different forms of of God and so forth and so on. And Krishna's there, and is he just one of them, just another story, or to sort it all out? This is the password. This is the key. Krishna's two Bhagavan Svayam. And then you start to see everything orbits around this. This is what Krishna Sandarbha has, Jiva Goswami has artfully shown. Hmm? So, the reason, the philosophical reason that the two last births of Jai and Vijay, who were cursed to take birth as demons for three lifetimes and then return to Vaikuntha, the philosophical reason for their appearing in Krishna Leela rather than in Narayan Leela, an avatar of Narayan, Krishna the source of Narayan, so he's the avatari, is to make the point to the world hmm, of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam in this way. And it's the point Jiva Goswami has made, one of the points he's made in, in uh, Krishna Sandarbha, that they, when the demons are killed hmm, by the avatars of Krishna, they don't attain liberation. Only when killed by Krishna do they attain liberation. Therefore, Krishna is, is different. Hmm? Krishna is special. Krishna is too. Bhagavan Svayam, the supreme personality of Godhead, as Prabhupada would say. That is his mantra. Krishna's too, Bhagavan Svayam. Hmm? Other question? Karnamrita. I'm thinking about the point of a, a writer writing for a particular audience. And the ten, you know, we grew up as devotees just thinking, you know, the scriptures for all times and places, and now understanding that even in like the Bhagavatam, he's speaking, there's people in the audience and he's uh, talking about it accordingly. So, I don't know if I heard you say this, but um, the idea of there being form and substance in Shastra. And so it's like the, 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 the scripture is eternal, and yet it seems like it's going to be spoken, even the Bhagavatam, different at different times. You know, it's, speak, you know, it's spoken regularly. Anyway, just an interesting idea that although it's a living thing, it says that the Shastra is the breath of Vishnu or something, but yet it's... Going to be mod- still going to be modified. The, the the form is going to be modified, perhaps, but still, you got to be able to sift through that to, to come to the essence. That's why, for example, and that's true that you have different speakings of the Bhagavatam, and um, and you have the Chaitanya Bhagavat. This is the conclusion of the Gaudiyas. There has to be the Bhagavatam has to continue. It's not complete in eighteen thousand slokas, hmm? because the Leela that it showcases is incomplete. Krishna Leela is a failure hmm, for Krishna. He could not experience the limits of love that his Leela was crafted to do and appeared on earth for, which is the, the place of falling in love, hmm, really. Love is a fallen condition. So this is the Leela on location. It's like if you have a movie on location, it's a special added feature. So the Nara Leela, 
the human likely on Earth is is the, the Earth setting facilitates Bhagavan Sri Krishna's pursuit of love in, in, in the drama of his leela. Hmm. Right. So, what was the question? So, yeah, so I'm saying, so the Chaitanya Bhagavad is an example. So the Gaudi's reason, well, this leela is not complete. The, the Bhagavatam is, is, needs, needs more. Yeah? Krishna has come as Gore. This is Krishna. It's not anybody else. It's not an avatar of Krishna. It's Krishna himself. Hmm? So there has to be a, a Chaitanya Bhagavat. Hmm? This, this is the natural extension of the Krishna Leela, where the ambitions for love that were inhibited by the Leela, by way of Krishna being in the position of the Vishaya Lambana, the object of love, rather than being the Ashraya Lamba, the position of Radha, he had to reverse that out somehow. Hmm? That is Gaur Leela. So, it's, so it's, an, it's an example of what you're talking about. The Bhagavatam is an ongoing living thing. That's why it's described as Nirgranta. Hmm? It's beyond the book. Why Sukadeva would study? Nirgranta means, means you know, Granta means not, means book. Hmm? He was liberated. He was not tied. He was beyond books, but still he studied the Bhagavatam. So like Prabhupada used to say sometimes, yes, it is, it is, we have 10 cantos, 12 cantos, and 18,000 verses, but in, in this loka there are hundreds of volumes and so forth. I remember him saying things like that. So this is the implications, what the point you're bringing up. Um, but the, as we heard yesterday, I mentioned that the supreme pramanam, or evidence for knowing, hmm, not the senses, not reasoning, Shastra, but not only Shastra, but Shastra and Shastra Yukti, which means Shastra and the Sadhu. Hmm? That's why Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami said, Gore Nitai give Prem, and they give it in this way. Hmm? They give it by bringing us in touch with two Bhagavatas, the book Bhagavata and the person Bhagavata. Hmm? And that person Bhagavata will keep the book alive. Hmm? I mean, I don't think he's going to be writing too many new verses. Krishna Das, you know, or Vrindavan Das Thakur wrote Chaitanya Bhagavat, but the, the explanation, the, the purports, the, and it will, will, will bring out you know, so many things. And as you're saying, even in the text itself, fifth canto is a good example. Brikshit Marj asks, What's the, tell me about the Maya Shakti, because it belongs to Bhagawan, and I want to love Bhagawan, so by hearing about his Maya Shakti, I'll have more love for him. And Sukadeva says, Okay. Well, I'll tell you this. It's, uh, I'll explain to you what the Puranic writers have said about it, but what it really is is a transformation of the, mo- the gunas, and it's, you can't get your hands on it. You can't capture it, what it's like. Hmm? And, and Bishwana Chakuritaku comments that, that, if you, that Prikshit Mars says, the, in it, the, the way he speaks, he said he, it's evi- there's evidence from the text he is not personally interested that much in that form. But there are yogis, mystic yogis, in the audience. Hmm? And um, for their sake, he's asking this question as well, and and more so. And therefore, an explanation of the world hmm, that constitutes a subtle form of mystic yogic uh, meditation and preoccupation is presented 
by Sukadev that does not parallel the world that you, you know, see through a telescope and so on and so forth. Hmm? So what you're saying is, I'm just validating what you're saying, that the Bhagavatam itself is speaking in certain ways relative to the audience who's assembled to hear from Sukadev. Hmm? And there are different kinds of people there. And what you're supposed to do is weave through this with good help and see how bhakti, uttam bhakti, and and brajlila, the brajlila, and brajprem, prema dharma is being advocated exclusively in the Bhagavatam, both anvayad itarataha, directly and indirectly, directly and sometimes indirectly, by way of speaking to others in the audience, and you're supposed to figure that out and, and and but we need obviously you need good guidance for that's a complex book hmm? yes uh, from reading just like just let me continue you just like take this whole Leela here this whole Leela says in one sense there's no heaven there's no hell <coughs> for bhakti you might as well not exist hmm? that's what it's saying for karma mark, dharma mark, there's heaven, there's hell, you have to be concerned. Mm-hmm. When the fifth candle ends, what does Parikshit Marsh do? He says, geez, it's all those hellish planets, it's, people are suffering. How can we free people from suffering? What is the, what is the, what is the response to that? Vasugadev, he says, there is no hell for devotees. Mm-hmm. That's the teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the story of Ajamil. There's no hell for devotees. What is are preoccupied with the hell sometimes? You know, you're going to go to hell. The teaching in the sixth canon, after the whole description of the hells is, there is no hell for devotees. They never even uh, glimpse it. Those who are chanting, and the virtues of Nam, Nam Kirtan, are emphasized. And don't underestimate what's being said there, or you will be implicated in Nam Aparad. Hmm? The efficacy, the glory, the virtues of name are not an exaggeration. That is an Nam Aparad to think so. Other places of the scripture do exaggerate for emphasis because there is a fear motive sometimes that's played upon to get people involved. So if you do this, this will happen to you and, and so forth and, and sounds are extreme and people get afraid and they follow. Hmm? So fear is employed in places. Duty is employed as a motive. Love is employed primarily in the Bhagavad hmm? as a motive. Hmm? So, in one sense, it's all about Indra and this and that. He's teaching, who cares, these people? We have no concern for, for heaven. Hmm? Don't worry about it. Hmm? People think if you're bad, then there'll be an earthquake. In one sense, he's saying, we don't believe in that. Hmm? It's, not our, it's not our concern. There's another way to think about it, of course. In the general sense is, of course, that there are, there are um, how do you say, there are, um, there are, we should be grateful. We are dependent entities. Hmm? So if you if you flip a switch, you get a light. You press a button, you get heat. You turn a valve, you get water. You open the mailbox, you get a bill. So there's somebody on the other end. So we should live with gratitude and know that our needs, water, light, food, we're not independent in gathering them. For seeing with our eyes, we require the sun. Hmm? So we venerate the sun. We worship the sun. This is how we approach the world with love and it animates the world. Hmm? With eyes of love, you see, the world becomes alive. And there are gods and goddesses. Are they real? 
Hmm? You really love? <laughs> then they're real, of course. Hmm? But then again, hmm? when on Bhakti Marg, this is not our concern, heaven or hell. Hmm? It's not an issue for us. This is the, the, the teaching here. And same teaching, in, 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 as I say, in fifth canto, sixth canto. Hmm? I'm sorry, you had a question? Uh, in Vishwanath's commentary, which is, what, 450, 500 years old, on Srimad Bhagavatam, he says, and sometimes it's written this way, he's talking about the verses, he's making words, mm-hmm. sometimes it's written that way. Mm-hmm. So, and then you had just mentioned something on uh, online in response to a uh, question regarding Vishwanath's particular the verses that he was that he rendered to the Bhagavatam. I didn't quite follow that. Could you explain I mean how many, you know, the 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 core verses, the verses we chant, the verses of the Bhagavatam, it seems that they the verses themselves change according to time, place and Well he's referring to the fact that that manuscripts are copied down you know, in previous times, by hand. Hmm? At the time of Vishnu Chakrabhati Thakur, there's no printing press. So there are, it's not, it's not extreme, but there are some instances in, in one place, manuscripts written in the word is said like this. Don't tell it to the people who, you know, are concerned about the, re- the editing of Prabhupada's books. But <laughs> <laughs> Huge problem. <laughs> uh, so there are, so he, you know, what, what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is doing, from a scholarly perspective, as a scholarly devotee, hmm, he has collected whatever manuscripts are at hand, hmm, whatever are available, hmm, and he's looking at them and comparing them and so forth, and he finds in some places some difference. For example, he may have a manuscript with a commentary of Bopadev hmm, and a commentary of this one, and ancient commentators and so forth. He's looking at what... what, what Different commentators are saying some of them are not not bhaktas. They're not certainly not rag bhaktas. Um, and he's looking at Sridhar Swami's commentary, who's of course you know a devotee, but not on the rag marg. Uh, and this one and that one, and he, he's collected as many you can imagine as, as he as he as is at hand or available. And he notices that there's some discrepancy in some of the verses that some of, this word is used some rarely here and there. Hmm? And so, as a scholar, he, he points it out. And sometimes it is written like this. And that is one thing. The point I was making um, is that if you were to take, if I was to give you a copy in Sanskrit of Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur's Tika on the Bhagavatam, it will have the verses and it will have the Tika, right? But what he's done in the verses is he's rewritten the verses in Sanskrit Hmm? He has not. He has not just taken the verses and put them there. He's rewritten the verses in Sanskrit, like writing his own purport into it, to some extent. Hmm? He's trying. To, he's kind of like kind of like translating without translating. It's like okay, and, and and of course Sanskrit is different at different times too. So, when the Bhagavatam was written, was you know a long time ago. When Vishwanath wrote a commentary, it was much more recent by comparison. So let's say you took a book in Old English and then you wrote it in Modern English. Hmm? It's something like that. Um, 
Um, it, but the, the, the translations, if you will, or the re, re, rephrasing hmm, of the text is, is, is grammatically, you know, it's grammatically um, plausible, hmm, supportable. But, you know, Prabhupada has done the same thing in English. Some, some of his translations, you know, he's inserting his, 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 his understanding of the meaning there that a literal translation would, would not give you the, uh, you know, the same understanding of, perhaps. That's what I, the point I was making. They tried to change, change the, the structure of the presentation of the verse. Yeah. So if you translate into English Vishwana Chakrati Thakur's verse, some will say, well, you know, it's different than what the Sanskrit is saying to some extent, or, you know, question your translation. You have the point I'm translating. It's his re-rendering, rewording of it. Yes. It's exactly the same as Shakespeare. I mean, you can't understand the original Shakespeare, even though it's English. You can't understand it. Mm-hmm. It can't make sense. It's, mm-hmm. From a cultural point of view, it makes some sense, but, you know, you have to do that. Yeah, and it's important to note that these devotees were scholars as well as devotees. They weren't just scholars, and they weren't just devotees. They were devotees and scholars. They weren't just closing their eyes, you know, like this. They would say things like this, all coming from Bhagavan, that's a fact, but they used all types of whatever academic, uh, you know, devices and literary devices and so forth to make points and explain and and, and so forth. Yes? Sorry, I was just mumbling. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking in that exact take it, Sarathakar, Vishwanathakar will take a verse and then change the meaning. He'll actually take words and say, well, it could mean this, but if you break, uh-huh. break it up, it will Oh, of course, yeah. It makes it a completely different meaning. Yeah, that's like making burfi out of milk, <laughs> making ghee out of milk. It's milk, but there's ghee here too. And there's burfi and sandesh and yogurt and just see. You need a milkman for that. Yeah. Also in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the tikas sometimes Vishwanath uh, says exactly what, what, uh, what Jiva said. Sometimes he says something that, that seems to be quite the opposite. Right. Of what Jesus said, yeah, yeah, and they're making the same point, right, right, yes. What is your um, take on the what I hear that the Bhagavatam in different places is in, uh, in different places in the Bhagavatam it's a certain kind of Sanskrit must have been written at this period and certain kind of places the Bhagavatam it's a different kind of language and it must be a compilation of various versions of the Bhagavatam that we have now. I never heard it exactly like that. Um, I heard more um, that the existing manuscripts were in a certain form of Sanskrit that dates to a particular time, and therefore a reasonable conclusion from an academic point of view would be to date the Bhagavatam according to that time. I haven't heard that argument that different parts are written in different Sanskrit, um, but perhaps that is an argument. But uh, the book was copied down, of course, so, and that's how they kept books. And, and, and arguably, one of the reasons for copying it down is because the other one's wearing out. Hmm? And so it's very reasonable to conclude that further earlier, much earlier editions were replaced by newer editions hmm? and, um, because they were wearing out and then the, the current language, Sanskrit usage and whatnot at the time, 
um, would uh, be the voice in which the book is written. Um, does that help? Yeah. They'd not only be written, rewritten, but they'd also be adjusted according to the current vernacular of the Sanskrit language, like right. Indra was saying with Shakespeare. Right. You have to. Right. Of course, Pagdivino dealt with this in a, in a larger, you know, way. And he, and he said, that in dealing with modernity and its concerns and or whatever its input, um, that um, some people say the Bhagavatam was written in the sixth century in South India, you know, by a number of people or something like that, a compilation. Uh, and he said, uh, but whatever, you know, the tradition has another idea. It doesn't really matter. It's what the Bhagavatam says that's, that matters. It's a really good argument because it just kind of puts to rest something that you can't answer. Because you cannot, it's very curious to me hmm, that you cannot find the author of the Bhagavatam. You can say, I have evidence, and by, by this evidence I conclude it must have been written at this time. And the idea that somebody in, in antiquity named Vyas wrote all this stuff, I don't believe that, and somebody can say that. But the fact is, for the Bhagavatam, for the Gita, you can't find the author. That's a fact. <laughs> He can't be located. It's it's it, it hasn't been possible. So it's a, you're free, really, in terms of having intellectual integrity, hmm, to choose whichever you feel more comfortable with, and especially from a devotee's perspective, as long as you <coughs> pursue the message of the Bhagavatam. And the Bhagavatam is, without question, the richest religious or theistic text that the world knows. There's no comparison. To, you know, the Bible or the or the Quran or um, even in contemporary literature, it's a masterpiece from a literary point of view. It's entirely different than all the other Puranas. It's it's incredible. What's happened? What what what, what goes on in there? Is it, the, the, the 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 strategy behind the presentation, the the, the tiptoeing? I said said the tightrope between Aishvarya and Madhurya. And it's just an incredible book. Very very rich. So if you want to look at revealed literature, hmm. Literature that's considered to be, you know, sacred and so forth. This, it's, it's, it's objectively hmm, um, demonstrable hmm, that Bhagavatam is, and, and that's how it's held in India. You know, it really is. Everybody loves the Bhagavatam, hmm? and, and it's not like the Padma Purana, you know, or. It, they're, they're there, the Sampradayas are centered around them. But the popular world, hmm? the Bhagavatam and the Leelas of Krishna, of course, Ram Leela is popular too, but, but the Bhagavatam is, uh, is the widest known, read, and uh, it's the richest, deepest theological text we have on earth. Hmm? And it talks about things that extend beyond any other religious conception as to the nature of God. So, go with that. That's all we got. <laughs> Best thing we've got. Um, and who wrote it when and what not. And, and, you know, you could if you could prove it was written in the 6th century by six different people, um, you can't prove that, that they didn't have it from somebody. And they were, you know, repeating it. And everybody says, as the time goes on, Vyas wrote it. Vyas wrote it, which means, I didn't write this. I didn't write this. Hmm? This is divine. I don't take credit for this. This is inspired writing. Hmm? 
So we thought, you know, we thought, oh, they put Vyasa's name on there, they're cheating. It would be the academic point of view. Hmm? No, it's just the opposite. You have to understand the different mentality altogether. No, Vyasa, I didn't write it. I didn't write it. These aren't my words. Hmm? So there's a whole problem with you trying to understand this tradition from a whole Western, materialistic, atheistic point of view. It's very... You know, even in academia, I think they've come to the point where you know it, it, they understand the value of hearing about something from a practitioner, which previously was like, who cares about the practitioners? They're, they're just subjectively involved. We're never going to find out what it's about from them. That was a, that was a standard in academia previously. So, did you have a comment, Mark? Samadhi Basha. Samadhi Basha. Yeah. Samadhi Nusmrataditam. Nard said, "Go sit in Samadhi." Hmm? Then what will come out of that? That is Srimad Bhagavatam. Samadhi Vasha. All right, we stop there. Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Govardhan Puja ki jai. Daisi Bhakti Badanta Swami Prabhupada ki jai. Bhakti Raksha Siddha Dev Goswami Manash ki jai. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur Prabhupada ki jai. Sri Bhakti Vinod Paribar ki jai. Sanyasi Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai. Good, Premanandi.